Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. My name is John Paul Basham. I'm here with the one and only Julie Plunk. Hello. And producer Nathan, as always, with us. What's up? Glad to be here. Hey, today we are without Ben Trueblood, but he'll be back with us next episode. want to encourage you to, to go leave us a rating and review. If you would, take a few minutes, launch in there, give us five stars and a shining complimentary comment so that other people can find this podcast. We're, we work really hard to try to make this as good as we possibly can, but also want to remind you that we're always open to your feedback. So hit us up, give us some feedback. We'd love to know what you would like for us to talk about. So with that said, let's launch into today's topic. Here's the reality that we're all very familiar with right now is that we're in a new and very different season of ministry that has pushed us into a place that student ministry has not been so solidly for a long time, I would say. Not to belabor belabor the whole COVID thing. We all know it's happening, has been happening. And I think for the most part, the ministries that I've seen have adjusted well, but there still seems like this big challenge that, man, student ministry programming, as we've known it for so long, has just been kind of tossed out the window. And it's such a big piece of student ministry that it, I think it has left a lot of student pastors asking the question, like, okay, seriously, what do we do? Uh, For some time, we were just waiting kind of on the queue, like, when can we go back? When can we go back? When can we go back? And then that cue gets continually gets pushed back. And it feels like the band-aid that we were trying to throw on the situation is now becoming more of a new process for student ministry. It's a little bit of a more like a new reality than a short break from what student ministry has felt like for so long. Don't you, don't you think? Yeah. And it, seems to have really forced not only youth leaders, but all church staff to come up with a new normal. Because like you said, we don't know how long we're going to be in this season. And so there's some major shifts that's going to have to happen before things go back to how they were in 2019. And so for the relationships you youth leaders have with your students, those are probably coming to light, whether those have been fostered in a deep way, or maybe you're realizing, oh man, I may not have been pouring into as much as I could have been. And I'm realizing I don't really know my students as well as I wish I did. So this might be a good motivating kind of wake up call, like, oh man, I need to kick it in gear. And I want to be able to serve my students in the best way possible, no matter if I'm seeing them in person or not. You know what always did that for me? That I feel like the similar a, a similar feeling for me in student ministry was when I early on, I, eventually I got more comfortable with this, but early on going into a school cafeteria was always the thing that revealed the most. I don't have the relationships that I wish I had with the students <laughs> that are here. It's kind of one of those like, oh, what do I do? I don't know what to say. I don't even know your name. (laughs) I have to go eat by myself in the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Somebody please act like you like me in this moment so it's not so uncomfortable for me. So I don't look, don't look like a creepy man coming into a high school cafeteria. <laughs> that may oh. be the way that some student pastors have felt when the, the Wednesday night goes away, the Sunday morning goes away, and the crowds are gone. We've heard from student pastors across the country that more and more it's, it's difficult to get students on a Zoom call now. It's difficult to get them to text back. And so probably even the groups that maybe were fairly strong to begin with are a little bit smaller. They're a little bit more intimate, which can be discouraging, but can also be, I think, very revealing of where your students are, the students in your student ministry. Often, I would use kind of special moments, targeted moments. Hey, here's the extra Bible study moment. Here's the, well, every single year that I would do a systematic theology Bible study, it was kind of like, okay, let's see who shows up to this because it's not for everybody. But the ones mm. that do show up to a thing like that, and I would think in this season, the ones that continually show up on these Zoom calls are some of the ones that you know, okay, you know, they're really ready to go next step. They're ready. They're wanting relationship. They're wanting to continue moving forward. And that's not to say that the kids that don't show up are like, oh, give up on them. But I think there can be some strong indicators and some encouragements for who you can really be intentional to foster some relationships with. You're right. And you were even saying before this, before we started this episode about how you can't have a deep discipleship relationship with every single person in your group, unless you have a super small youth group, then I guess you could. But so you're, you have to have a realistic expectation. You want to have a deep discipleship opportunity with as many people as possible, but that's not going to be 15 kids. There's just, you just won't be able to. Now someone needs to be pouring into those students and you really are going to be relying on your volunteers to kind of divide and conquer that or older students or, or however your ministries run. But yeah, this is a great opportunity for you to dive in deep to those, maybe those few students that have been really dedicated and shown leadership and plugging them in leadership opportunities for the future and even just voicing to them, man, I really appreciate you just showing up and being involved and showing dedication, that can go a long way. Yeah. So I think before we launch into what may be some tips for you, probably some reminders for you, uh, overall the encouragement is this, that your student ministry and everything you've planned to do in your student ministry is not dead. The mission that God has given you, the call that he's given you to reach these students is still there and it's still a very strong call. It just looks a little different right now. And so one encouragement that I would give to you is to be encouraged in it, to stay positive about it. It's, it's easy to say, man, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Like, what am I supposed to do? And throw your hands up in frustration. But instead of allowing yourself and your self-talk to go in that direction, I would encourage you to look for the positive things that are going on here. Look for the good things that can come out of this. And so one of those things is just, Julie, you were talking about self-awareness, really getting to the heart of the issue of whether or not you feel comfortable in relationships, whether or not you've done a good job of being in relationships 
with students, whether or not this is something you've prioritized. If, if you have been more of the stage personality so far, or if you've kind of delegated out all of these relational ministry aspects, now's the time to own that and to say, okay, here's some growth opportunity there. I think there's also some awareness too about what ministry is going to look like. Producer Nathan had some great insight leading into this episode that re-entry is going to look different. And if you tuned into the student ministry that matters live, if you tuned into that re-entry conversation, you will have heard some of the discussion there. But more than likely, you're not going to be able to just launch right back into student ministry programming. So even just being aware and being honest with yourself that this really isn't a Band-Aid. And so relational ministry is going to last potentially several months into re-entry. This is going to look a lot less like your normal Wednesday night gathering with all your kids in one room and a lot more like home groups or small groups in, you know, if you're kind of in a Sunday school model or life group model, whatever you want to call those. A few kids in a room with a couple of leaders is probably what ministry is going to look like for a little while. So knowing that, the question is, how do you leverage that when you know you can't depend on some of the larger scale programming that you may have been leaning on to give momentum and energy that's typical of student ministry to your ministry? And I would say that that's absolutely something that can still be accomplished through small groups and probably in a, in a more meaningful way because it's not just hype that gets people stirred up but it's care, it's shepherding, it's deep impact that makes someone show up the next time because of how well they were loved the last time. It makes somebody show up because of how excited they are to be learning what they've learned with a small group of believers that are all moving the same direction, not only because, and not saying this is where everybody is, but not only because there's a prize next Wednesday if you show up. You know what I mean? Hear me well in that. I'm not saying, oh, you guys are terrible. It's just a pretty common thing in student ministry. I've done it before. What new prize can I put out there as a hook in the water to get more kids to come next week? The hook just has to be a little different. Julie, when we start thinking through how to really leverage relational ministry, what thoughts come to mind for you? You know, I, this not only goes with youth ministry specifically, but just discipleship and relationships in general. Looking at Christ's example is always a good starting point. So I think about how he did ministry and look at his methods for doing ministry. And he worked from the outside in, which I think is a great place for you as youth leaders to start. So there's a connection that he had with everyone that interacted with him. He knew their names. He I mean, of course he knew their names because he knows everything. So, I mean, shoot for the, shoot for the stars, youth leaders. But, um, you know, he made everyone feel heard, even if they were not the most appropriate, obedient people. So even those students in your group that maybe are more disruptive or annoying or whatever, connect with them so they still feel heard. And then, of course, there's a smaller level to that. There's a small group that smaller group of people that youth leaders can connect with on a deeper level. You're going to their events at their school. 
you're connecting more closely maybe with their parents and plugging them into some leadership opportunities. You go even further, like Jesus had an inner circle, um, Peter, James, and John. There's a small group of, of youth that hopefully you're able to really pour into and challenge and push to succeed and have kind of hard conversations with. I try to look at it from that perspective of working from the outside in relationally. How can you connect and really pour into those kids? I think that's really good. And I think that's something that is worth taking the time to figure out what those connection points are, because they're they're different in a new landscape of ministry, in a different culture of student ministry that we're going to be in at least for the next two or three months, I would think. The connection points are a little bit different. And and even like what school connection points look like, even that's even up in the air. Where I am, they're considering not going back to school in the fall, not to create a panic for everyone if your state is not thinking about that right now. But that's, that's where we are. The schools are wondering if they're even going to have teachers come back in the fall that want to teach to be able to staff school in Murray County. So what those connection points look like is probably a completely new, a completely new list that you need to make. Where can I connect? How can I connect? When people are more comfortable connecting in small groups, where do those small groups meet? Where do I where do I support students? You know, we go to sport, we go to games and we go to clubs and we go to plays and we do things like that in large part to show support, to be there for them and to build those relationships. Now there's a brand new question. Where do I show up to build those relationships and show that support, show that shepherding care as a student pastor? And I continue to think that so much of that connection lies in the relationship with parents that I think has been highlighted as a, a goldmine opportunity right now while everybody's together at home. So considering the parent connection, leveraging some things like you want to make sure and tune in to next week's episode because we are working on that for you. And we're going to be releasing a series of resource packs that will give you uh, some tools that you can use to push out to those parents to really take advantage of that point while that connecting point remains as strong as it does now. I would think the other piece to, to go again with that self-awareness piece is just making sure that you have leaders ready to pour into the students that you can't pour into. Now, not because you can't pour into any one of your students, but because there's just not enough of you to go around. So I think there's the analysis of, am, have I been doing what I need to do to pour into students? And then there's also the analysis of, have I been doing what I need to do to help my leaders pour into students the way that they should? Julie, how do you think that looks different, I wonder? Because so a lot of times the struggle when a, when a volunteer would come into our student ministry in Virginia, and the same thing for volunteers coming into our student ministry at the bridge, it is often a feeling of being overwhelmed. There's so many teenagers here. It's kind of like the feeling that I had that I described going into the cafeteria. Like, mm -hmm. what do I do? And how do I, you know, break into these cliques of kids? The Zoom meeting, I feel like, is totally different. All of a sudden, it's not intimidation because of the crowds. It's intimidation because you have 10 faces looking at you to lead a Zoom 
meeting, right? Yeah. Um, and you don't have some of the dynamics of being in the same room together. Yeah. So how do you think the coaching changes for a student pastor encouraging small group volunteers to dig into relationship this way? I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our Zoom fatigue episode, but I do think utilizing smaller groups is going to be really helpful, especially if you get a new volunteer and you're trying to get them involved. Uh, not that don't include, don't not include them in the big Zoom meeting maybe you have of everyone, but you're going to want to break them into smaller groups so they are able to get some actual quote unquote FaceTime with a smaller group of people that's realistic for them to have a conversation with. So utilizing those smaller breakout rooms, if it's a, you know, a female leader, get her connected with maybe five of your older students and working them down to seventh and eighth or vice versa. But yeah, I would say work small and then up to big because I was just talking with a friend who just joined our church and she's just now started getting into small groups right when COVID started. So she, her only exposure to small groups has been on Zoom and there's a different level of intimidation there. It's not like necessarily a fear as an awkwardness or uncomfortableness. And so she was even saying once they broke out into small groups, it was just like a breath of air. So, and I do think that as time goes on, a lot of places are opening up enough where very small groups are able to maybe get together. So, and I'm follow your state's regulations first and foremost, and you know what those are, but I think not far from now, or maybe already now, you're going to, you're able to like meet together with just a few students, I think is going to make a big difference. And maybe you as the youth leader and your wife, maybe get together with one volunteer and a couple students or something to start the verbal. That's how I would, I feel like it's kind of changed. Those small groups are a big deal. It, it allows for a leader to really get to know a few students at a time, which is part of removing that, the uncomfortable feelings. A lot of times you're uncomfortable in a group of students because you don't know them. So I think the continued encouragement that you have to really know your students and maybe some things for them to consider, make sure you know this, make sure you know this. Like, man, I remember just even the impact of reminding leaders to know the testimony of your students. How did you come to know Jesus? If, if you claim Jesus, how did you come to know him? You need to know that story. You also need to know if they don't have that story, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's some things that are just, they maybe seem so obvious to the student ministry leader that it's in it all the time, that it doesn't seem like something that you should remind a small group leader. But giving them those bullet points, make sure you know their name, make sure you know where they go to school, make sure you know their story, how they came to know Jesus, what they like, what they don't like, what, uh, what their favorite foods are, what their favorite hobbies were before they got locked down at home. All of those things contribute to not only your knowledge of them to be able to teach them scripture, but the small talk that makes a relationship comfortable to be able to just shoot the breeze for a little while or know what you can joke about with a student and maybe what you shouldn't joke about with a student. The only other thing that I might say, this is something that I've noticed in Zoom meetings, is that the awkward silence is infinitely more awkward on Zoom. That's so true. (laughs) But it's still important to allow it sometimes, Mm -hmm. to allow for somebody to 
to think. But like when you like, you know, we'll be in writers conferences with an author outlining a Bible study and we have seven or eight people in a Zoom meeting. And when you're in a room and you can see it flipping in their Bible and you can see their wheels spinning and like they're, you know, jotting something down on paper, you know, you can tell by body language, by the full picture, people are thinking it's okay. This moment of silence is okay. When you just see like chest up, you know, shoulders up, somehow it's just like, gosh, somebody talk. Please. Yeah. And you have the technical on top of that. So you don't know, is it really silent? Is someone trying to talk and they are just blotching or? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, you're right. It is so painful, but necessary. Yes. Yeah. So just an encouragement about how to lead a conversation with students and that that silence, that time to process, that goading them on even through that moment of silence that, hey, I, I need you to answer. I need you to interact. This isn't going to be fun. It isn't going to be relational if I just talk the whole time. Those things are still good reminders to have out there in front of your leaders. Any last thoughts that you'd have? I think all these were just good reminders. A lot of this stuff, I'm sure student leaders know, but I think it's a, a great refresher for the time that we're in now and the phase that we're going to be moving into. The last encouragement that I would leave you with is this, that just as we know it's important for, for us to have relationships with our students for the sake of discipling them and leading them forward, it's just as important for us to have relationships with other like-minded leaders that pushes us forward in our own discipleship journey, that pushes us forward in our ministry, that encourage us, that hold us accountable and we know what all of those relationships do in our life. And so I want to let you know about the Youth Ministry Booster Season 2 registration that is opening on May 20th. This is one of those places that you can plug in with other student ministry leaders to learn from one another, to have some moments of soul care, to be resourced and to be trained, and just to get a, a, a step ahead in your ministry. So I'd encourage you to check that out. May 20th, again, registration opens for season two. We would love for you to be a part of it with us. Well, this has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.